0: FM podcast, this is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Dr. Lee Merritt. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction. Righteousness. Ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. Boy, I'd say we're having some weird ones tonight. Just if it stutters out, we seem to be getting under some strange internet bumps. I'm watching things go to excellent to poor reception. It's already been hitting our VPN pretty hard, probably because of the topic tonight, you know? Dr. Lee Merritt. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a long interview tonight. So be prepared. This is a, Typically our interviews run in about 45 to 50 minutes. This is an hour and a half tonight, and I think you're going to enjoy every bit of it. We're going to really go down some pretty cool places, and we're going to get back into one of the principal topics that seems to have... Fallen off the radar, (laughs) just that little thing, that little thing called the vax. It's kind of killing a whole bunch of humanity. But and let's not worry about it. Let's go have solidarity with Ukraine and send fourteen billion dollars and a bunch of weapons over to the Azov Battalion Nazis. That's a good idea. Before we begin, I really want you all seriously to be focused on your health. This is going to get stressful. Obviously, sleep is a critical part of that, and products that help you sleep are essential. MyPillow.com provides a whole series of products that help you sleep better, and they literally do. That's no exaggeration. I've used them now for almost a year. I'm a true believer in everything that Mike Lindell and his company, MyPillow, produces. They are fabulous quality, great value, and really do enhance your sleep. So whatever level of sleep you're at, which mine is never that much, but it's always good to be able to take advantage of a comfortable pillow and an amazingly comfortable set of sheets and a comforter, that's nice too. And the my slippers, that's cool. And the towels. they're good too. So check them all out because they're all on sale. 60 percent off on Giza sheets, 50 percent off on my slippers, on men's and women's sleepwear. You have the classic my pillow down to 1998, and there's a new pillow with Giza cotton in it. So one of those is coming soon. I'll I'll give you the full feedback on that. So check it out. MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation's landing page. Well earned, I'll tell you. That's awesome because we've got our own special page there right on my pillow. And your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. You head on over there and you can use that promo code anywhere on the MyPillow site, the MyStore site, and the FrankSpeech.com site. And right now when you use that promo code, you're going to get a copy of Mike Lindell's book. I would probably end up doing like multiple orders so you get a bunch of of those books. And then for all your liberal friends, give those for Christmas gifts. That's a good one. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. If you want to talk to a person, you can talk to a Patriot Pillow counselor. They'll help you sleep. They'll make sure that you never have to worry about anything again. Just use your promo code 800 and you are off to the races. All right, Patriots, this went real quick. I wanted to read this to you before we jump into a great interview tonight. I think this is kind of starts to put some things in context. We know that the whole house of cards is starting to shake. Never trust the deep state. Don't trust the media. And for that matter, don't trust much of anything right now. Just keep your head on a swivel. But I thought this was a good perspective. Joe, this is from Airtar, which is at Timothy Robinson 1776. Looks like it's a Twitter post, can't quite tell. Joe Biden will not politically survive this coming scandal. Many of you still don't understand the full scope of what's coming. It's not just about the income tax evasion. It's not just that he po- pocketed millions from illegal bribery deals via his son from oligarchs from China and Ukraine. It's that he knew his crackhead son, was sexually exploiting his 14-year-old niece, and he did nothing about it. He covered it up. You don't survive this when it comes out. Well, I would hope not. Oh, that was actually from Brian Crates, who's uh, Draw and Strike. He used to write for Epic Times. I don't know if he still does. That's where we're going with this. These people are sick, and they're demo- they're demonic, they're evil, and it all loops back to Ukraine. So when you're out here and you're kind of wondering like, hmm, I wonder what's really going on. Well, I think this is probably a real quick piece to listen to and reflect on this. Take a listen. Sometimes what they don't tell you or what they refuse to say is far more important than what they do tell you because they know that if they told you everything that, well, you'd get pissed or you'd figure it out for yourself and you go, hey, what you've been telling me for the last few weeks isn't really what's going on or you might put two and two together and realize that some more questions need to be asked. For example, Putin claims that the reason that he's going into Ukraine is to denazify the country. Now, here's what we find interesting. All of the politicians on the left and the right that are saying we've got to go in and fight for Ukraine, we've got to help them, not a single one of them has addressed this single issue and said, no, we're going in for the right, the right side. We're going in to defend democracy. No one said there's not a Nazi problem. We should probably get that clarified before we start picking sides, don't you think? That's from red.phoenix.rising on TikTok. He's got some great stuff. Hey, just to add to that, that's just the same thing as I have been saying that no one's saying stop the injection. So we have nobody saying that clarifying the Nazi issue. We just got to throw money at it and go. And we have the same people telling you that, well, injection's a choice. That's good. That's, that's wonderful. The damage has been done on this injection. It's massive. The scope of this damage is, I don't know if it's even measurable at this point in time, and I don't know that anybody really can comprehend the extent of the damage from the children to, the, to everybody. The deaths are increasing. The complications are increasing. This is essentially the West was used as guinea pigs. The entire Western culture for a gen- genomic weapon that was the injection, and we're going to talk all about that here with this interview with Dr. Lee Merritt. So, buckle up—we've got a ninety minutes of what I hope will really bring a lot of things into focus. It doesn't; she does an amazing job of pulling things together, and we had a great conversation. So, let me introduce to you Dr. Lee Merritt. Well, Patriots, I'm really honored today to once again have Dr. Lee Merritt join us and why I think we're going to have quite a show today. A lot of discussions about things that, well, I guess as we started, it's going to be opening up the can of worms of the biggest conspiracy ever known. So all I can say is buckle up. So Dr. Merritt, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hey, thank you so
0: much. All right, so let's start with just some basic stuff before we go too deep into this. How about just giving us some updates on some of your research and, and where things are today?
1: You know, <laughs> I I got to tell you that every time you turn around, it, it, it is all fitting together, but it's so hard to explain to people in a simple soundbite anymore because Uh, and I can't remember who said this, but it's, it's that, well, I, maybe nobody said it, but there's one thing worse than 10,000 conspiracy theories. And that's just one huge conspiracy, one conspiracy that's real. That's, that is so monstrous. I, oh no, I know who it was. It was, it was, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, you know, and he, and he said that, um, the individuals have decap by coming face to face with a conspiracy so monstrous they can't believe it exists. And that's the problem you have when you try and communicate this to people. Just simple things like saying, you know, there is no test for COVID. And people look at you like you've lost your mind. But you see, that's the kind of lie. When you tell a huge lie and you tell it long enough, people believe it. They, it's hard for them to believe that they've been taken down by just such monstrous lies. And they're so they, should, they sound so simple.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I had this discussion the other night with some folks and the conversation was this. And as I put it, the biggest red pill people are going to have to accept is that this all happened because of their willful acceptance of directives from people that are sitting thousands of miles away and have only just told them to do something. And they didn't, all they did was comply to fear. I mean, that there is not there's been nothing forced in this that's the most amazing thing
1: there's- right 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 yeah well and and, and and let's just think about I'm just you know one this is this hit me yesterday I was just sitting around thinking I said okay I've I think it's pretty provable that a very small percentage of people run the world in terms of economics not our daily lives maybe but the, uh, you know 150 guys apparently control or more of the corporate wealth of the world. Now, if you think about that not being completely new, I mean, we've had the, you know, very, very uber elite wealthy forever, our kings and going way back. But let's suppose that all, you know, they've always had problems controlling the masses. But then it comes into the age of radio, and then it comes into the age of TV. And let's suppose those 150 people who obviously are doling this technology out after they have had it for a while, they, they say, you know what? We don't have to really deal with people the way we did before because now we can change their reality. And they just slowly, from the time of the introduction of TV, start slowly but very consistently and purposefully Changing the reality of the world in which we live so that they change what we believe about things. They change they, – they, they put facts out there in such a coordinated and – and in other words, if I want to construct – uh, how do we construct movies? You know, uh, when Shakespeare said something to the effect of the world is – is, all the world is just a stage and we are all just – and men and women just players that tarry a little while and then they're gone. He might have really been breaking the code here. That we have been living in a play that wasn't very, maybe, all-encompassing before 1900. But after 1900, they had the technology to actually make us believe. Maybe not a matrix like we see in the movies where we're plugged in, but a matrix of information nonetheless. And, and little things, but that turn out to be a big thing like in this one. Here, I'll give you one example. Uh, the idea that we get sick... Because we breathe things out that get other people sick. What if that never is the case? There are no such things as colds. There are no viruses. There are no people-to-people transmission. It's all forms of toxicity.
0: Wow. And I would agree with that with everything that I've researched. And this goes back to some of the comments that you mentioned once before, that viral science really is just made up. Are you on that path now?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've completely moved over to that idea. And there's some there, you know there, once you once you change your frame of reference, a lot of things start making sense, okay? i when you when we get sick with a cold, we should stop thinking of it as, oh, I caught a cold from Joe. We should start looking at it as what toxin did Joe and I both get into? You know what I mean? because yes. because that's apparent. And, and I can tell you, now this is a little, I don't mean too much information here, but I've also learned from Brian Artis, who's become a good friend of mine, and I really appreciate his input. You know, he started, we started talking because of remdesivir and his research on that, but we ended up talking about parasites, because I think it turns out that there's, you I could, I could do now two hours on parasites. Parasites probably are at the heart of much of the uh, human disease in the world, but so I decided... I'm going to take the knowledge I know, and I'm going to start treating myself and my husband, and we're just going to start getting the parasite load out of our body. And I did it, okay? I started doing it. But what happened is after a couple treatments, I had I I was gone, so I couldn't have gotten this from my husband. I was gone for a week at a, at a lecture series, I and the night before I got home, he said, man, have I come down with this bad cold? Very sudden, just suddenly I'm, I've got a bad cold. And I said, well, you know, just do this and that and hopefully we'll get you over it quick. I come home and I just literally walk in the house and I come down with the same cold. I mean, suddenly I'm miserable too. But it wasn't, and and why would that happen? It was because we both went through the parasite um, detox the same time. And it turns out that what happens is when you have a huge load of the little babies that hatch out and you kill them all, you get an IgE response, which is a histamine type Cold symptom response, IgE and IgG ultimately. So you get sneezing. It's all the things we think about as a cold. Sneezing, runny eyes, feverishness, um, fatigue, you know, just not feeling too good. Nothing anything big, but the, the runny eyes and the, the the cold and stuffy nose were just very pronounced. What? But see, that I think was a, I figured it out because I'm not thinking about a virus anymore. I'm now saying, and I called Brian and I said, okay, how long after you do the parasite treat? Why is this happening? He explained the whole thing to me. He said, oh, yeah, it's what happens is the mother worms secrete an enzyme that keeps all the babies from hatching. But, you know, parasites lay 200,000 eggs in you a day. You've been accruing these forever. Now you're treating them and you just had a big histamine reaction. It's called a Herxheimer reaction. Wow. We knew about it. with was syphilis, right? So we knew, see, we knew some of this, but we have just, because has anybody ever really proven that colds transmit to each other? Is there real transmission studies? That's the one thing that I think is missing in everything. So it's a whole new world. And I'm not saying I have all the answers, but this is the kind of thing that now I'm thinking along different lines. The world is starting to make better, better sense to me biologically.
0: So before we go on from here, do you have that treatment out So A a protocol that people can follow?
1: Yeah, actually. Um, and I what I did, and I use Grant Pharmacy, uh, Grant Pharmacy online or something like that. grantpharmacy.com. It's a an Indian pharmacy, but because I know they have these things, because I I talked to them myself about this, because there's some problems again. I I tried, I looked up, and the reason I I believe this is the way to go is oxide. Okay, so nitazoxanide is one of the things that they've been studying at the NIH for COVID now, theoretically, although they say it's not to be used outside of experimental things. But what it's been used for, and what it, there are a lot of papers out now, is like beef tapeworm and these hard-to-kill parasites. I found it because when Carrie Made started talking about the problem of hydra possibly being in this – in this vaccine the hydra is a, a, they've made a genetically modified hydra but hydra are, are immortal beings that you cut them into a million pieces each piece will grow into a little hydra and hydra looks like a little like sea anemone that that lives people that have freshwater aquariums probably know about it it will contaminate a freshwater aquarium so when she started talking about it i started thinking well i wonder if we know something that could kill hydra and i got on the line And I found out about this problem with freshwater aquariums, and they used nidazoxonide. So then I started reading about nidazoxonide. Turns out that beef tapeworm, uh, which I had a friend who, he was a senior chief in the Navy when I was in the Navy, and... I was overseas and and all these doctors had rotated through this clinic overseas in, in Japan, when you know, in the Navy. And we never could treat, we could never get this guy cured. I mean, people had tried with CDC special stuff. They never could get this guy cured. So beef tapeworm is a hard thing to get over. But it turns out nitazoxanide has a better than 85% cure rate in three days. So I said, hmm, I'm going to look into this. So I think it's Alinea is the is the trade name, but nitazoxanide, and it's N-I-T-O-Z-O-X-A-N-I-D-E, but nitazoxanide. so I got some from Grant Pharmacy, and I just started doing, and I, I, initially, I didn't do it the way I probably should have, that's why I got so sick, you don't have to get sick, so what I did, that's why I called my friend Brian Artis, he's the parasite guru, and um, in fact, he's coming on my show, we're going to spend our time talking about parasites, but he, he But what he said to do, what what I'm doing now is you take this thing. It's just a three-day treatment, morning and night, three days. And I was taking it. I took it full strength, which is 500 milligrams twice a day. You know, I'm a normal-sized average human. Um, I'm not saying give it to kids at that dose. But three days of treatment, that's what they did for the uh, beef tapeworm studies. And then um, wait, wait wait two weeks and do it again at half dose. And every two weeks for probably three to four to five cycles, half dose, until you don't get any symptoms. And like I say, the symptoms are the symptom of a cold. But if you do it that way, you're less apt to have the big symptoms. I waited six weeks. I let too many worms build up. I met with parasites. They're not just worms. They're little plasmodium or little tiny unicellular things. They're not the – don't think all all parasites are big tapeworms. They can be tiny little microscopic things. And now there's information coming out that everybody with cancer has parasites. You know that's a that's a that's an interesting point too, considering that we have people the black black the underground uh, anti the underground cancer therapies that people are using with a parasite medicine, fenbendazole. So,
0: that's very interesting because that gets into gut health.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I know that
0: Dr. Eric Naputi is is big on gut health. Uh, the research I've done on gut health suggests the same thing that it's the lower intestine. Where the parasites live, and that promotes cancers because there's specific cancers that come from that. Is that what you're finding?
1: Well, the other creepy thing is this, and I, I quote: I, I'm completely crediting uh, Brian about this artist. I didn't figure this out, but he was he he knows people in tox in in parasitology as a friend who's a parasitologist from Egypt, and I at one time thought I might do infectious disease, and that's the big place. Is Egypt is the the king of parasites, I guess. So. He was talking to him, and he said, you know, when I look at microscopic slides of cancer, like bowel cancer, polyps, breast cancer, things like that, it looks just like the, 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 the microscopic slides of, of parasite egg sacs. And this guy just looked at him and said, you know, in 20 years of doing parasitology, I've never had an oncologist tell me that. Oncologists being cancer doctors, never had them say that. But in parasitology, we talk about it all the time. So wouldn't it be a real kick in the pants to find out that not only was were these parasites contributing to chronic inflammation that caused cancer, but that much cancer was actually looking at egg sacs and treating you as if you had a mass, and it's actually an egg sac mass. And I will tell you before people say that's crazy, as an orthopedic surgeon, one of the problems years ago before we got smart about this is there were a bunch of amputations of arms and legs thinking it was a tumor thinking it was osteosarcoma when it was actually an infection in the bone because the two histologically look almost identical almost so i mean it's that's this is where we are so infections and i wouldn't i'm just saying i I think we're about and that's the good news we're going to talk about a bunch of depressing things but the good news here is when we get out of this mess we're going to recreate the medical world in so much a better way. I mean, we are, we know we are learning st- at a wild rate right now of all sorts of facts in medicine, and it's going to be better. You're not going to be stuck with doctors that just give you a pill and cure your symptoms and m- prolong your symptoms. I think we're going to do something much better. I totally
0: agree. We are in a rebuilding already yeah. for those that are on the outer edge. I was just having this conversation this morning with Brad Cummings. I don't know if you remember him from Barts Fest. And um, we were talking about this exact thing, which is we've crossed a Rubicon now where those that are awake are already starting the process of where are we going and what's it going to be like and how are we going to start rebuilding while those still in the matrix are bumping into walls and following the, the dead traps. But hopefully we'll see them come out. Hopefully. So this leads us back to our injection because this then would explain why getting something forced into the body was so important. Yeah. It would also start to suggest that nanotech was designed around a parasitical infection and therefore could also potentially be expelled by the body. Is that a reasonable assumption?
1: Well, I don't know. We, you know, the nanotech is a whole, whole different uh, world out there. But I will tell you, when you marry nanotechnology, like the carbon microtubules and nanotubules, with with parasites and 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 infections and all sorts of stuff. I mean, it it really opens up the. Uh, the opportunity. And I years ago, and I can't remember the year, but it's been quite a while now. I think it was in 2000, roughly in Oxford, England, they had a a nanotech or they had a conference about medical people looking at the future of uh, it was kind of a war fighting kind of conference about bio warfare and things or something. And they and they but they asked, I just remember what they asked that the question they asked is, what do you think the biggest threat to humankind is from a biologic or, or, you know, weaponized, biologic standpoint in the next you know few decades and they they 10 percent of the responders said they thought that um that a, a million people would be killed by nanotechnology and they and, and then the only difference of opinion was that another uh, I don't know 25 or 30 percent thought it would be a billion. <laughs> there was still nanotechnology that was going to get us, but it was built because it's, and it's nanotechnology involves also, you know, biologic things because they can be on, they're on the nano level too. So we're looking at it very, very tiny injectable stuff. That's, that's all we can mix that all together.
0: So where are we with the, with your frame up of what's this, what this injection is and what COVID actually was? Cause you, We've got a spike protein element with COVID. And I with all this craziness in Ukraine, which we're going to get to, a lot of this has been pushed to the side, but there's been a lot of ongoing research, which you're doing. COVID still seems to be a more of a reactive, a modified, from my research, it's showing it's this modified virus, or whatever we're calling it. It sounds like now you're potentially looking at it as a parasitical issue. And then the injection is... Kind of the bioweapon itself so what's what are you seeing that how are you framing COVID with this current t- trend of thinking and what do you see as the now the profile the latest profile of what's in these injections
1: well let me just back up in time and I'll just say that I think we're we are in a DNA war it's a DNA war against humanity you know they never name wars uh, until after the fact, like we didn't call it World War One until we got out of World War Two, right? It was that was the that time it was the war to end all wars or the great wars. Boy, that was a joke. But I think if we're going to look, I want to think when we look back in time, this will be the first ever of a DNA war against humanity, and hopefully the last. But I think if we go back in time, what what has happened here is that there are a group of people, and this is where it gets really. We'll have to go back even further at the end of this, but this, it gets really weird. But there are people we know. we All there are people that have different genetics. Okay, but there are some of us who take that much more seriously than others. Just let's, let's just been thinking about that. When you get married, or I got married. I mean, I didn't go out and had my potential spouse tested to see what their genetic lineage was. Nor did I have. Nor did I check a book to see where they fit in the how they were they were related to my genetics. I just didn't do that. But that's what the royal houses have done in the history of humanity. And we never thought that was weird. We thought it was kind of cute, like, oh, we're just commoners. And so we don't see this, but they think it's important. We'll just let them play with that. You know, they have Burke's peerage. Why did they care about that? Well, Burke's peerage told people down to, I remember reading this, that that Al Gore is actually a direct descendant of Charlemagne, whereas uh, George Bush jr is actually a, a, a grand grand nephew so they here we had a presidential election of two descendants of Charlemagne <laughs> running against each other but they know that because it, this Burke's peerage keeps contract keeps track of everybody's genetics in that royal family now whoever and whatever these people are that's a little strange when you really take a step back and realize what they're doing. Now it it has more of a real world consequence when you look at what's been happening since about 1980. I would say this goes way back, but at least I mean at least we can say from 2000. But um, you know Nixon signed the bioweapons agreement in 1972. It took place in 1975, and we knew that the Soviets were off were were creating a huge bioweapons program. But we didn't just sit on our thumbs. So we were doing things. And even before 2000, Wired magazine came out with an article talking about the Israelis saying that the Israelis had been working on a biologic agent that would harm Palestinians while leave Jews unaffected. That's what they claimed in this – and this is Wired. This isn't a medical journal or anything else. And then um, and then Reuters came out with a thing that according – about the same time, this is 1998, that it was possible to develop genetic bioweapons after we mapped the genome, you know so, um so then what when, then the next step is you gotta you gotta test, you gotta figure out who's who, right and then then, after two thousand, we started, I remember this because I didn't understand what it meant at the time, but I remember hearing this. It was actually in two thousand that the Chinese caught some guy from Harvard that was over sampling their DNA. And I thought, huh, wonder what that's all about. But, but they had he had gotten caught with like 100,000 specimens of Chinese DNA. Now, subsequently, and this is where it really gets interesting, in 2017, Putin uh, complained that we were over in, in Ukraine or someplace. I don't remember where he thought we were doing this from, but he complained that we were out sampling the Russians' DNA and specifically that we were looking for pure Slavs. It was, and he claimed the Air Force was doing it. Well, I looked into that when all this broke out because, I mean, I went back in time and I said, "What were we doing back then?" And it was—we actually admitted it. The Air Force, our Air Force, was over sampling Russian DNA, and it was there was a neurosurgeon from Tennessee that actually had a contract to do this, and it was through, and they had a—I can't think—I've got a—I've got a U.S. Air Force solicitation number. It's where the how they were going to pay for the samples and everything. It's, it's RNA samples from synovial tissue. So here's a neurosurgeon. He can go and get CSF fluid and get little samples of the synovial. I don't know quite why they need it from the synovial fluid, but that's what they were doing. And they were paying big bucks for this, okay? They were paying pure slavs to have their CSF sampled. Um, and so... Uh, his, his point, Putin's point back in 2017 is he said, and this is a quote I have from him, it says, the question is, why is it being done? It's being done purposely and professionally. We are kind of an object of great interest. And then he says, well, let them do what they want. We must do what we must. Now, we didn't know, most of us in 2017, that after the fall of the Soviet Union, that Sam Nunn and Richard Luger, now I didn't know about the Luger Center. Luger Center was set up after the fall of the Soviet Union in Georgia, in Tbilisi, Georgia. And it was theoretically, you know, we don't talk about bioweapons now. We talk about defense threat reduction. So we have the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, of whom, by the way, Malone is a close compadre, Dr. Robert Malone and others. But they they have a whole group of people that are claiming that we need to put these labs all over the world in order to help mitigate uh, threats from emerging infectious diseases and bioweapons and that's essentially was the cover for doing all this and so after the the fall of the soviet union they put in a lot of these labs all probably all over not just I, there's probably not just the luger lab in georgia it's it's probably a bunch of others but but so ukraine If you remember, too, the way that this was able – I think why Ukraine is maybe a bigger deal than Georgia is that we in the West – and I don't think it's just us. It's maybe our CIA and us and NATO forces and who knows who are all in on this together. But they took over the machinery of the Ukraine. They took over the government machinery of Ukraine, the judiciary and the presidency. If you remember – the guy's name is Yanukovych. Yanukovych was a slime bag, but he was their slime bag. He was a duly elected Ukrainian slime bag that was their president. And he was corrupt like everybody else, but he but he was theirs. And remember that big uprising that they tried to convince us? And I wasn't fooled by this only because I had a friend in Ukraine. I mean, a friend that's girlfriend was in Ukraine who got the true story. When we were hearing that it was this popular uprising against this horrible dictator, Yanukovych, no, actually, they'd voted for him pretty pretty firmly, but that there was a group of militia being paid by Western NATO forces to stage this coup, this uprising, and claim it was a popular uprising. We've seen this happen. You know, look at the stuff we experienced last summer in America. I mean, that's it's a paid rent-a-mob kind of stuff. Well, that's what they did. But And, and so they deposed him. They put in an interim for a few months, and then it went to this guy named Poroshenko, and then eventually Zelensky, and I can't remember when Zelensky came in, but Poroshenko was in there, and that's what allowed all the money laundering to take care, take place because Poroshenko was the president. And now the State Department under Hillary, this is 2014 under Hillary Clinton, they went in and they fleeced that country. They 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 they. they they took our time, ta- and plus we should be mad because they took our tax dollars. They sent it over to the Ukraine. It went to big. It went to you know you know how slush money goes. You know we're doing it to help save the save the whales of Ukraine or something, but it was for something else, and it gets all laundered around and it goes to like one of them was Barisma. The one we know the most about is Barisma, and Barisma uh, was where uh, you know Biden's son, Kerry's son, Pelosi's son, I think Schumer's son uh they were all oh and Mitt romney's son notice he's squeaking you know uh, these guys all had their children working on the board of Bur- working for burisma or on the board of burisma and hunter biden was on the board along with Kofor black that was chief of staff for Mitt romney they were on the board of burisma where the money got siphoned back into the political coffers in america i mean this is just completely dirty corrupt remember when biden went over there and he said he said um, if you don't if you don't get rid of this prosecutor, you don't get the billion dollars. And he was right. He had that power. And so they got rid of the prosecutor and they got the money. And then the money goes over, gets laundered around, and most of it comes back to us. That's what's been going on. But in the process, they had all these bioweapons labs going. And I purposely think, I personally think, if you wanted to summarize the truth about Ukraine in a 30-second elevator speech, it is that Ukrainian corrupt Soros probably paid for politicians like Zelensky have have sold themselves and their country out to be bioweapons offshore labs for us. And they've given the population as guinea pigs. That's really what's been going on. And and to make it uglier, though, is that the junta that took down Yanukovych was uh these are the as i heard some female uh, reporters say on mainstream media which caused them to about have a have a cataleptic seizure um she said these aren't neo-nazis these are actually the nazis the nazis moved over into western ukraine they were they were the ukrainian uh nazis during world war ii they they just kept there okay no th- th- these are actually but that is true that the 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 I, I looked it up. I saw it on a TV show. Talk about predictive programming. There's a logo called the Wolf and they—it's the symbol of this junta, this Azov battalion, and uh, some other things in Ukraine. And I said, in the National Socialist Party of Ukraine, this this Wolf symbol—it looks like kind of a a, a horizontal flipped Z with a line through it. And I looked that up, and it turned out, oh, that's where I've seen it. It was the logo of um, the Panzer Division Das Reich, the 19th Panzer Division, the 19th Artillery Division of the Wehrmacht in World War II. Okay, so this really is the Nazis. We're not joking about this. This is not metaphor. So they're involved with this. And then it gets even deeper is, you know, this is a genetically targeted bioweapon. We know this because... There are certain, there's, there, we are, we have a 56% upregulation of our ACE2 pathway, meaning it hooks it into us better than it does uh, the black population that has a 36% upregulation now, or 39% and we're 56.
0: Now, are we, are we talking COVID or are we talking the injection?
1: We're talking both because it's the same, it's the same thing. It's a spike protein, right? The very same spike protein in COVID was made into the, uh, was, was what was made to have your body produce in the, vac- with the vaccine. So the difference is they told you you had to take to your basement because and, and wear a mask and, and wash your hands 10,000 times a day because just a few of these spike proteins can make you sick or kill you. But don't worry, we're going to make a vaccine that's going to produce trillions of these spike proteins in your body. And we're sure it's going to be 95% safe and effective. That's how insane this is. But so, 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 Wouldn't it be great, though, if you wanted to poison a a big group of people, wouldn't it be great that you're immune? Okay, and all I'm saying is that we knew about genetically targetable bioweapons. That was what this whole DNA sampling was about. They figured out what they could target. They paid the people, Fauci's job, the bag man, all over the world, he paid researchers to figure out how to use this knowledge to target some populations and spare others. And that's what we got. We got the spike protein. And the spike protein hooks into your ACE2 pathway. Now, again, if you're a white Caucasian from Europe, not of Finnish descent, you've got a 56% upregulation of this spike protein adhesion. This, it's an electromagnetic adhesion, essentially, because chemical bonds are, um, between the, the spike protein and your ACE2 pathway. And everybody's got ACE2 pathways all over their body. So this thing hooks in at us the best. And then the next group down are the blacks from Africa and non-African-American, African-American blacks. They have a 39% upregulation. And then it drops way down to Asians and Finnish. Finnish, interestingly, are actually uh, genealogically from the South Korean or the Korean peninsula. So they are they're, they're genetically more like Asians. So they have only have a 10% affinity. And then it goes down to zero. And zero is an interesting group because zero is not any one nationality or any one region because it's so diffuse. It's the Amish, and then it, they the ones they studied were Ashkenazi. The Ashkenazi, um, but it's not just Ashkenazi. It's this group that came from Khazaria. They've got this K26R genetics. And who does that involve? It involves the royal houses. It involves the banking houses. It involves... The uh, the CEO of Pfizer, the CEO of BioNTech, the people that brought us this are basically they've got an inborn genetic antibody, ante- antidote to the problem. Isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah, that's very interesting. Isn't that? Wow and when we look at where the kazarians are from then they're kazarian they're not really you know they they call themselves ashkenazi jews they're not jews they're they're not genetically semites now that we can sequence the human genome we also know that for a fact the the local the the, the ancient semites that are the i think the sephardim they're just different others are what we what we call Jews now. They're really Semites, but the but these guys are not the the Ashkenazi are are one phase one part of these, but they're all over. And like I say, the, the I think the Saudi royal house came from Khazaria initially. You know that's why the story everybody now knows this story. I think of of um, Dracula's family, which was a real story. I read it in old Slavonic. It was we read it in Russian studies when I was in college years ago. Vlad Dracul and and hit, Vlad the Impaler was his father and he was the Dracula figure and that was that lineage from the Carpathian Mountains where the where the Khazarians settled partially when they were dispersed Be, went you can follow them down and Queen Elizabeth is a descendant of that so the royal houses of Britain, and Windsors, they are descendants of these Khazarians. And why why does this matter now and how does it all tangle up? Well, here's the kicker. If you look at the crest of Ukraine, it's the it's the tomga of the Khazarian Empire. <laughs> now, this goes back to like when was when was Russia, I think uh, Russia became a Christian nation around 900 AD. So it, this when the Khazarians were dispersed, it was around that time. They had big, all their narr- the Bulgarians, the Turks, the, the, the Russian prince of Kiev at the time said, We're not going to tolerate you guys killing people, worshiping Moloch. In this whole thing that you're doing. you can't stay in this religion so you can decide what you're going to be but you you know you can be a Christian you can be a Muslim but you got to do something else. They had they had gotten together and they'd fought against the Khazarians and beat them back and they apparently they they, they the king of Khazari realized, oh if I become a, a, a Muslim then the, then the Russians are going to hate me and if I become a Christian the Muslims are going to hate me I think'll I'll be Ashkenazi and that's how that came to be. It's crazy. I, I tell you, like I said, if I told you, if I said this to myself two years ago, I'd think I was just, I should be in, in an asylum. But I've been doing nothing but studying, and I'm going to tell you, you, you could find this stuff. It's hard. We never learned this study because they expunged Kazaria from the maps, from the atlases, but you can go back in old, the, people are now showing it. It's starting to drop on the internet. People find old globes at a, at a an at a antique sale, and it's got Kazaria on there. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, they're finding old, 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 you know, like Encyclopedia Britannica and things like that that talk about this. There's a guy that in 1920 got this whole history together and said this is important. It, it was some, I want to say he was some kind of relation or friend of Henry Ford, but he got this whole thing together because he realized we were being lied to about our history was being changed to forget these people but these people are doing bad things to us now
0: (laughs) you know who that guy is
1: i don't remember his name do you
0: no i'm I'm just gonna look it up i can
1: find it i can find it i've got it in my file somewhere
0: because i that's a good one to have there's a there's a few of these books that are hard i mean unrelated to this but just as a sidebar um Carl Wittfogel another one who's been all but expunged and erased. He was accused of being a communist under the McCarthy trials. Thing is that he discovered yeah. a critical issue of Chinese history, which was what he calls hydraulic cycles. And what it is, is it establishes why there's cyclic rise and falls of the dynasties in China. It's all based on water work systems and corruption and that cycle. What's interesting is we don't even know that book exists. I've found it on a PDF it's out but when i met some uh, exchange students from china they were consciously aware of his work Wow. and they were there studying their history to learn how not to make it happen again so these are these are another just these are examples of expunging history to keep us very focused before us so this is fascinating so how do you see covid then is it let's go back to the parasitic parasitic issue because this is really interesting obviously people have believed that this was an airborne virus it was launched by somebody that ate some bat soup or something and then jumped on a plane and flew to Seattle and then suddenly this bat soup grew to be something massive, I'm, I I, don't. Uh...
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean the whole, if you actually look at what they claimed in the narrative, it doesn't make sense from a biologic standpoint even if you believe in viruses. You know, a virus doesn't jump out of bat soup or even bats into humans and be perfectly formed to kill you. And not be able to be reintroduced into bats. That part of the story right there should have raised the red flag and said there's something very wrong with what they're telling us. The other thing that should have raised a red flag, and I've been raising this, I've been waving this flag since February of 2020. I just want to make this point, and not to say I told you so, but it's still not too late to wake up. Is that this is a national security nightmare that they they literally they they literally claim that they took the genetic sequence from one patient. Keep in mind, we had no test to really make a diagnosis of COVID back then. We still don't. But one patient, had they, they took out the lung goo, and then these Chinese researchers and doctors, they, they got the stuff out of the guy's lung. They gene-sequenced it in such a way, and that's, like I say, a, a falsehood too, but they, they claim that they made a genetic sequence of what was making that guy sick. They uploaded it into the gene bank, our pharmaceutical industries in January of 2020 downloaded it, and within hours, they had a vaccine mapped out. And they gave that vaccine to our entire military. So again, to recap that, we gave our military a vaccine, and we forced it on them. I mean, we pressured them. like We lied to them. We told them it was approved. We told them all sorts of stuff to get them all to take it from a genetic sequence that was given to us by Chinese researchers without independent verification. That is just on the face of it, such a security disastrous mistake that wasn't a mistake. That, that was what they used a very highly technical thing like genetics to be able to fool us um, into thinking that made sense. And it doesn't make sense. So we've been attacked. Now, what, they, what is true is there is genetic material the idea that, that there are viruses is a whole different discussion in the sense that I don't believe there are any airborne things that make us sick. That's what I've come to believe now that that was, and I think they know that too, which is why they have to kind of manipulate things to make us sick here. I think that this was a, they did, they did use bats. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. In fact, I'm sitting in my little, my little basement, uh, little cave down here that I I was calling the bat cave but now I call it the ZC45 cave because that's the number of the bat in Wuhan they claim this thing is from anyway <laughs> our best guess they so they isolated this stuff after they discern, after they determined the DNA uh, sensitivities and how they could use that differential to kill people and save themselves they found a way to get to that ACE2 pathway. Okay. How can we, how can now we target the ACE2 pathway? Aha, the coronavirus or this, this genetic stuff in bats seems to have stuff that might be able to be manipulated to hit that. Okay. So then they take that out and then they, they get a little of that genetic material. They, they, do these bats. We found bats in them. And now we, we know that there were bats being caged in the Wuhan lab, even though they, they, they denied that at first. They get this genetic material. And multiple labs around the world worked at it. It wasn't just Ralph Barrick. It wasn't just Frank Plummer in Winnipeg. It wasn't just Xing Li, Xi, and China, all these people. There were lots of people that contributed. And they came to, they figured out that they took this genetic sequence, and keep in mind, this is 181 base pairs. This is not a big, long sequence. The S1 subunit is all you need to make people sick. This whole 30,000 base pair virus is just for distraction. That's just a, that's just so you can concentrate and believe in variants and stuff. But what's what the part that makes you sick is a very short genetic sequence. We know that exists. That's not made up. They took it out of bats. They manipulated it in the lab. They tested it and they figured out that's what makes people sick and we'll, we'll produce that. So then we, we're la- we live in the age of synthetic biology. So now you can take that genetic material and you c- can put it into a synthetic coding of your making. And let's just – now this part I can't prove but this is what I think happened. Let's suppose they put it into a a, a, a lipid coating, a lipoprotein kind of coating that would linger on surfaces. See, most viruses are pretty, or what we think of as viruses, are just raw genetic material. You know, we think of, you know, stuff on the surfaces, you you know, gets killed by UV, gets killed by, well, what if I made up a, a special coating that would allow it to linger for a few hours so other people would touch it, get it in their mucous membranes, I think that's what happened. And then they spread it in three places. They spread it in Wuhan, they spread it in Lombardy, Italy, and they spread it in New York City. And in favor of that is when you look at the epidemiology. Those places went down hard, but short. In other words, people started dying and really looking bad for a very short period of time, and then it just fizzled out.
0: Let me let me suggest something else here, because this is a, you've added a layer to this with the parasitical issue. It starts to put, at least in my head, it starts to paint a different little different picture. Yeah what if there was no COVID and this is kind of my premise and instead COVID was created through 5g and knowing what we know about frequencies that the body was creating an autoimmune response to the waves of 5g. And then from that, knowing that the only way to get to people genetically is to inject them because you need to get the parasitics into the body. The parasitics in this form are, are nanotech, Hydrovulgaris, and then we have the, the graphene oxide, and we have the the carbon the carbon nanotubes. All of this, and we're gonna because I think that leads to a different direction. This is why I'm going. Okay, so but in this idea that the 5G was your was your initiator, okay, it created a symptom profile that then when they set out this sequence, this sequence that was actually sent out was designed. To perpetuate a development of something that would become a genonomic weapon, which is exactly what this virus, this injection is a genonomic weapon. It is a genetically targeted weapon system. Right but you to get there you have to have people believe in the need to for, to be injected.
1: Well, I think it was both. See, I think it was both. And I think if you've got if you if you spent all those dollars, clearly they didn't come out with this in January of 2020. They had this in the storeroom a long time. This whole thing was a story to make us think that they did all this research right at the last minute, but they summarized just like in a movie that tells you what they're they're going to do in the next 20 years. I mean, they 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 had done all those things, but they did it in the past, and what happened is, I think that now you've got this—you've got this short genetic sequence, which you are going to make into the bio—you do you have it as a bioweapon. That's what's in those syringes. You're right. That's the bioweapons in the vaccine. It's a genetic sequence that makes the spike protein. But you also can have the spike protein yourself. You can even buy—it's kind of creepy—but if you go on uh, chemical websites, there are places you can buy the spike protein.
0: I'm putting it on my eggs.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah. So. so, so. Yeah. Yeah. You can go buy some and check it out. Um, so if you've got it, why not use it? Why not? Why not do it? both? So what the vibe, what 5G, what we know 5G does is damage your immune system and it can open up the blood brain barrier. But I think that there's too many things similar of what happened with the initial people getting sick with COVID and this toxic bioweapon that's the vaccine. I do think they're I do think the spike protein was involved in both, but it wasn't, you're right. I'm not saying it's only that because the 5G can make things worse and it can mimic by itself the same symptoms. So it's very confusing, but there's a reason that they wanted to be able to put it in you to, to you know, they, they can make you sick, with 5g they can make you sick with uh, but they can't change your dna they can damage your dna but they can't transform you and i think that the they had to get us afraid to go to the next step of the bioweapon the the vaccine like you said because they're injecting then nanotechnology that can that can inter this is where charles lieber and the research at harvard comes to play where they can now connect your brain to the web Our nervous system to electronic external devices they can make you a they can make you into a a a computer essentially that is broadcasting ssid that's these people saying that they 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 go buy a a tv and it wants to connect that wants to connect to them i think that's happening
0: i do too and this is where i want to throw this out because with nanotech nanotech can be programmed yeah there's been a lot of discussion about marburg virus um plague a number of other things right so wouldn't it be possible then, and wouldn't it be critical for control, not only to have a nanotech in there that would be able to connect you and then control your body through your brain, your, your brain computer interface, but if you can pre-program pre, uh, some of this nanotech that you can trigger with a pulse, like a 5G pulse, to execute certain signals that would then send that to, say, the graphene oxide— that would then that has been growing through the body that would then mimic one of these these quote unquote viruses like Maburg, which would then cause the body to say start bleeding from the eyes or you would start you would start having all this mass mucus development. All of that is being generated by technology that's now in the body. You would be able to is initiate a fear of a pandemic at a simple pulse of 5G. And it was permanently embedded in people so that even though there are no viruses, it kind of goes back to your premise. We're dealing with parasites. But if we look at what nanotech is yeah. and we go back to the parasitical model, nanotech is a technological parasite along with hydrovolgaris, which is its biological bridge. It's a synthetic biology issue. And so is your uh, graphene oxide can be the food. Just a thought.
1: Right. Now I think graphene oxide isn't the end point. It's a means to get you there. I personally think that's just a, the, 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 that's there because graphene is a great electrical conductor. And I think that's just there to allow you to connect. I think the the self-organizing nanotech is what makes you into a, a beaming. There's a, and Dr. Zelenko gave me this. It was a, uh, it's a, it's a patent and it, it talks about that the said subjects, that's us, will carry around these electronic devices, which could be, you know, you carry around a cardiac pacemaker, but now you're going to carry around this nanotech within you that is a proximity monitor, and it's going to measure whenever you. Um, I don't know who owns this patent, but it says that when you're you, that you you will be in a certain number, of, you'll have you'll broadcast your SSID to somebody. And they'll broadcast their ID to you, and you'll swap IDs, and then at some point you'll walk by a server or be close to a server, and you'll upload all this data, and then this, then it's you will then receive information about what to do. So think about this: I'm, you know, like uh, I'm in a crowd of two people, you know, there's three of us talking. I get, I get a signal. Score based on being in a group of three, but if I'm in a, in a lecture hall with 500 people and I have to walk out into the audience there, now I'm surrounded. Everybody beams their IDs onto me. Now I get this huge signal code number, and it sends to a server, and then I get this message on my cell phone saying I have to report to some hospital for a new injection. You know, because I've been around too many people, or whatever. Or it just tell it just it just tells them where I am and who I'm around. It'll be a. It is the most comprehensive technocratic monitoring system for every aspect of human existence it'll know when you're on the toilet it'll know everything about you i mean and it'll know you who, whom you're having sex with that's where this goes and i and i think that the i think you're right i think once they I, I, see i still think they used the basic DNA genetic technology to make people sick with help from 5G at first, just because they had it. But I think you're right in the future. As we go forward, and enough people are vaccinated with this stuff, they have an antenna. Now they have a receiving antenna that will be able, be able to possibly make them sick. Now the Hydra stuff, and, I'll, and and I'll just, let me back up one more time, You know, it's interesting that the bioweapons people have – they were really in the 80s and 90s, that Marburg and Ebola and all that stuff was really a big deal. But it never went anywhere. They tried to scare us with it. It just never – they could never – it isn't airborne. It clearly wasn't airborne. Everybody knew it wasn't airborne. They can convince us that COVID's airborne, but they didn't convince us on that. And so they had to move to other stuff. And if you look at kind of what's the – my opinion, the trend of bioweapons – uh, experimentation stuff and and working on and this is basi- basically basically one, one of the reasons that that Putin went into Ukraine he talked about this is that they're looking for animal vectors and insect vectors so they had birds that they infected and and Putin they they caught them in uh, in the Crimea that these infected birds were being released from these labs in the Ukraine um, arthropod vectors—that's what we think of. Lyme disease—it's—it's it's diseases that are spread by insects. Look at what's happening in California and Florida. Bill Gates's mosquitoes have just been released. You know, that's the kind of thing I'm really worried about. So that we're at a pace of technological innovation that some of the stuff they've had an idea to do probably is going to be outmoded. You're right. With electromagnetic signals, you might not need that. But I'm guessing—I think—they're covering their basis. So. I guess I'm saying is that traditionally, when we were getting sick prior to 1857 and the laying down of the telegram lines, I think most of when people were getting sick, they were getting parasites or toxins. If you don't believe in viruses, they were getting parasites and toxins. Look at every time they thought there was an airborne disease, it turned out it wasn't black plague. They they used to put vinegar on their big nose things for the masks for the doctors because they thought it was airborne. No, it was mice and lice. Cholera. Oh, stay away from everybody because, no, it was the water supply. It was bacterial toxins in the water supply. Every time they tried to convince us of an airborne thing, even smallpox now. I, and I'm sure you were too, I was worried about smallpox all the time I was in the military, around the military studying bioweapons. I said, that's the big bad one. Well, now it turns out maybe not, that there was suppressed information that that was due to bedbugs being bitten by things in an area where the, where the smallpox was breaking out. It was transmitted by bugs. Again, not by air. And so I think that they they finally had to they, – they've been working on these arthropod vectors to, to make us sick and the electromagnetic spectrum to make us sick. Because that's what they learned way back is that people get sick when they're around electricity, a lot of electrical inputs. That's how the telegraph – that's how the Spanish flu started. That's uh, – you know, people don't realize the whole history there. That's a whole other hour lecture maybe I'll do on something. But that's a – that's a really fascinating thing about that, that Arthur Furstenberg talks about in his book, The Invisible Rainbow, that people can read and, and really get into that. But there's a lot of information that I had no- known from, you know, William Welch and the National – and the the um, Armed Forces Institute of Pathology looking at it. They never could prove transmission of flu. So it's not an airborne virus. And you're right. This wasn't airborne. This thing was not airborne. and But it's certainly – The the 5G is a big problem, and although we can deal with everything else, that's a hard problem to deal with. I think that we're in an age – here's – I'll ask you. What do you think has been going on when these – you saw these guys in Israel that were protesting the government and suddenly their whole head is smoking? No, smoke coming out of their nose like their head is on internal – combustion. I think two or three of them died. They were writhing around on the floor. That looked real to me. And also the people in Australia now complaining that they were in a in a, a protest in Canberra and they just came home all burned like they had been blistered, like it was a radiation burn. I mean, these these sound like directed energy weapons to me. And I know they're lying about it because that thing in Israel, they, they tried to convince us it was a smoke grenade that accidentally got in the guy's skull and they show you this it's just hysterically laughable hysterical they show you a picture of the skull x-ray with this huge like looks like a big uh, big pill made out of metal sitting in the middle of their skull and i mean i just looked at that i think my son was home at christmas he's a general surgeon and i said you know that you'd have you'd have you'd have brain parts and bone matter and blood all over that could not have gotten in the skull and then just caused smoking out the nose this is just insane that they think we're going to believe this people do because they don't and that's what they they pick highly they they pick things that are you have to be a little technically competent to know and that's the other thing who's controlled the education system all right i i can go back and look at what my grandfather learned he only had an eighth grade education and he was much better educated than the people coming out of high school and sometimes college today our education system can't be this bad by accident you know
0: No, it's not. And I think that's, that's a very interesting topic to get into. We can do that on a future show, but even get deeper in that. But in a simple sense, between uh, CRT and critical race theory and common core, that's basically a MK ultra light program when you break it down. So people are being, they're creating subalterns through the youth. And then as they get forward, then it's easy to program them and the cognitive skills of really being able to think critically are being completely destroyed. The war is, the war is very real and it's all based on controlling humanity. I I'm fascinated by your, your, the parasitical model here, because as we've kind of talked through this, it reinforces the need to have the injection and why the injection has to be the the primary delivery system to getting this, getting this into people. And I do think that when, like when you're we talking about some of these other issues, uh, we don't have a, a a way to compare. But my this is my my supposition is that when we look at the Israel Israeli situation you were just talking about, and equally the uh, Australian situation, my bet is all of them were multiple multivaxed. So with that, then the ability to use a directed energy weapon is enhanced.
1: Sacrifice. Yep.
0: And this is the part where I, I we I think we're seeing early tests of the potential yeah. to once again provoke fear and to to control people. The I'm not saying the directed energy weapons are not possible against us. The technology though has had some challenges in being that focused and able to produce that much immediate
1: effect, at least from my research. Right. I agree with that. And that's why I agree with you. I think that's what this is about. The other, the other example of that is that rap concert where they walk through that tunnel. And then like, I don't know, 15 last count. I thought 15 were dead. Now you can, you can, say they got crushed and there was some crushing, but no, this didn't look like that. There were people that weren't being crushed that just dropped over. People that talk about that. I I think again you had to be vaccinated to go in there. They're testing. This is a big you don't and anybody that doesn't think they're testing, this is we have it just from the vaccine rollout. You can prove intent. This was Reiner Fulmish's point about uh, Michael Yaden showed him the, the work from Craig Cooper. It's this guy who looked at death by lot of the vaccines. And when you look at it, you can go down a timeline. And as this ticker tape goes down or as the timeline go, checks off, it, it clearly shows a dose response curve, an experiment being done on the human race. Because the first, you had a little burst of highly toxic J&J vaccine, and then it went away. And there was a predictable pause. And then you had this kind of period where the Moderna came out and it was all over the place. You know, some toxicity, some not so toxicity, but was kind of like generalized. And then a pause, same pause. And then another burst of the J and J, same toxicity. So when you look at the graph, it looks like like they bracketed the the Moderna with this J and J just so they knew where they were. Right? They could see that that's what's going on here. It's really, really evil beyond what we know. And then and then there was a pause, and then we started seeing Pfizer. And you know, baseline, all the time that this is going on, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the baseline because not everybody gets these toxic shots. A third of the shots were were a placebo, they say. So so you the baseline's going on, and, and there's a lot of dots on the baseline, but then boom, there's this big grouping of dots highly toxic dots of the Pfizer this is death per this is how many deaths show up on the vares per lot is what these these things are that's how you get to be a highly toxic lot okay so these are in the high death lot then there's a pause then it's a little less toxic and then there's a pause then less toxic pause less pause until you can put a straight line slope graph on that and see that they were they were systematically doing something changing something in these vaccine lots that caused them to be less immediately toxic until they got down to the baseline. And my interpretation, who knows what it means, but my interpretation is the the thing we cannot deny is that it's purposeful. It's experimenting on humans. It's killing people. And it's looking for like an LD50, the lethal dose of which 50% of people die, or just a dose response. Like what dose do I need to get to do this? And I think See, there's two parts to these, these shots. Well, not excluding – excluding the other stuff they didn't tell us about, the nanotechnology and the hydra and who knows what else is in there. But the purported uh, RNA technology or DNA technology, it's a little bit of genetic material that makes the spike protein in your body. But it's a genetic little material. That's the, that's the, um, the, the bullet, if you will. Will And then the, the, the jacket is the lipoprotein coating, okay? And there are things that we know in that lipoprotein coating that are, that are potentially very toxic. The cationic lipids we know are toxic. That's probably what's causing the blood clotting. You know, we don't know for sure, but that's, that's a good candidate. But I think if you're an assassin, think about this. You don't want to have the guy drop over right in front of you, right? You want to, have him, you want to give him something that he's going to die, but it's kind of a slow kill weapon. So you're far away before he dies. Well... What what happened when they first started bringing out these vaccines? That they realized, oh shoot, wait a minute, that that outside coating is killing people too rapidly. We don't want them to have that happen. Our whole idea is to get away with this and let just the genetic material kill them later. So let's just let's just we got to do something to modify that. Ergo, this this weird rollout to try and figure out what's going on and they got it down to where now it doesn't kill you directly it's going to get you the long term with that genetic material i think
0: well and I, I think we have to go back to 5g too because i think what we're talking about is the ability to target
1: 5g plays a role
0: and and the other part which is the i i honestly think that there is some pre-coding in this nanotech to simulate with the right pulse these various sicknesses they are trying to herd a mass amount of humanity into a transhumanist model right? that they know that people are going to reject. If you can, I think one of the biggest experiments and where I've looked at this and the first trigger to see where people were as a baseline was that toilet paper issue. I do not know what they did, but they did something to test the base programming in people and they were able to witness how quickly they were able to respond to a, a subtle or subliminal trigger that then initiated a response and that response was by
1: or by telling us that we're going to have a shortage of toilet paper or you're going to be stuck in your house and see how many people ran out and bought how many rolls correct yeah well that's what they tell you in silent weapons for quiet wars that's right right out of that book
0: right so you you're at that baseline right there and with that baseline, you've you've now established wow. that you're ready for a green light go. What follows that? Then we follow with that the masking, and we follow with that the injections. They've done enough of the base programming. They had to get people at a certain point. This is why I go back to the kind of the five G model, not just taking from the, as the initiator, because all you needed, and in fact, it's probably some of it as well, was crisis actors, which I've said all along from China. Oh sure, right? It's like you know people are not using their head it's like well how did these videos come out of china well they were using a vpn and it's like come on dude i mean seriously like this is the the most rigid digital wall we know of in the world nothing leaves china by accident and these videos went viral and went all over the media that was staged yeah yeah so whether whatever that situation was my guess is that in in wuhan what we probably did end up witnessing was a full demonstration of the potential of 5g as a weapon yep. and they were able to eradicate out some key gr- people which were which i always say the one thing no one talks about with wuhan is the connection wuhan was the capital after mao took over the northern part of the country wuhan was the capital for the nationalists chinghai-shek which are now taiwan
1: Oh, I had forgotten that too.
0: Okay, so this is really important. They just did another cleansing, and I think they probably used the 5G system, right? And now I think where where they're arriving at with us in this um, is that the importance of getting 100% of the people injected, which is their goal for 2025, I guess. This push is – which, by the way, they can't do that at normal production. That means these things are warehoused if they even have them, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the importance of doing this is to get everybody with this tech in them so that for here forward, with a flip of a switch, not only can they assassinate, not only can they track, not only can they influence – But they can create, anytime there's a problem, they just create a breakout of some sort of a virus just with a push of a pulse. And think about how that it simplified the entire delivery system. Yeah. I mean, we're we're hearing about more
1: bioweapons costs
0: development. Right. I mean, you you don't have to worry about building birds to fly stuff into Russia. Right. You just hit a pulse with the 5G and that coating, or you can even do it with a satellite, and that coating now triggers the autoimmune responses in the body which are built around the nanotech, the graphene oxide, which I agree with you, it's a base. But that's what's growing that gives the network, is my understanding, that gives the network that also allows the the carbon nanotubes to grow within the body. So there's now this kind of overlay. And somewhere in there, that hydrogel, that hydrovolgaris works in there because that's that organic part of this growth, which I'm not really clear how that works, but oh. it's got to play.
1: So I look back at the basic science of hydra in, and and go and – so there's – hydra vulgaris is naturally occurring hydra. You can't patent that. It's the thing that grew in your aquarium. But hydra linnaeus, named after a famous biologist, was – was a, it's a synthetic version of the hydra. They, recruit, they did something to change it to make it patentable. And that's what we're dealing with here. And what they were doing studies, what they claimed – they always have a really good – you know, you know, save the baby whales kind of uh, argument for doing things right, um, and uh, so what? What they said was, well, you know, for people that have spinal cord injury, it turns out that hydra can in, can actually it, your body does not see it as an invader, so it won't reject it. We don't have to be on rejection drugs, and it it can be. Um, uh, what I want to say, it basically intercalates, gets mixed in perfectly with your nervous system. It is like, it creates nerve-like fibers. It creates nerve-type fibers. So so it can repair defects in nervous system. That's what they're looking at it for. Or it can help with Parkinson's. So it, it can, uh, like one of the things early on they did was, this is Charles Lieber's work at Harvard they injected this stuff. And, and when they talk about nanowire, it's just this, it's a metal impregnated hydrogel, like silver impregnated hydrogel that will get, uh, that's what his was that can come in such small filaments that you don't even see it go through the needle. I mean, it's nano. I mean, this is very, very small stuff, but it gets injected and then it kind of can be, uh, I guess targeted because it, they, they injected it into a rabbit's eye and it would, and it it made a network of this fiber around the retinal nerves and they could spy on the rabbit's vision one way or another, or, or maybe give it in- impulses. So this is what it can do. This is sounding, this is sounding like that reptilian uh, eye worm. Unfortunately, that- it really is. I mean, Nothing's off the table anymore, but that's what it was. And I'll tell you how – and I'll tell you the other thing, a little off the subject, but how I knew that we were part of this takedown, that we were part of this whole COVID nightmare. It wasn't just the Chinese coming after us, is that when they caught Charles Lieber, they had to pick him up because his assistant got – or somebody that ratted him out, I think, got arrested at Logan Airport in Boston for traveling with specimens and blah, blah, blah back to China – well, they had to they had to arrest Lieber for something. They couldn't ignore it at that point. So, they claimed they didn't know he was going back and forth to Wuhan. They didn't know he was creating the 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 Harvard Center or the Nanotechnology Center, the Harvard Nanotechnology or something, which you could see from Google Earth. I mean, come on, they knew he was doing that. But he um, he was charged w- with minimal stuff. I mean, he wasn't charged with high treason or anything. You would do if this really were you've just sold out the country with nanotech uh, super weaponizable stuff that your country security just went down the tubes. No, he didn't get charged with that. And the FBI agent that wrote the affidavit to arrest him and indict him claimed that this nanowire was uh, used for electric battery or for lithium battery, better technology for lithium batteries for electric cars. Now, either the FBI agent... They just told him make something up, and that's the best he could come up with. Or he purposely wrote it to be wrong. I mean, there's nothing that Charles Lieber ever did that had to do with electric cars or batteries or anything. He miss you know, in other words, he lied about what nanowire is. I think to obscure the fact of what Charles Lieber was really doing, and that tells you that we are deep into this. That our FBI is corrupt. It's part of this whole thing. They're, they've got people at all levels engaging in in total. Um, War against us, and uh, that's really a, a sad moment. But that's, and and I'll tell you another thing. I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay this out. I'm not trying to pick on people, okay? But these whole all these labs through Defense Threat Reduction Agency, we're hearing a lot from Dr. Malone now about all this stuff, and he's become a darling of the resistance. But but he didn't speak out when he could have. He really hasn't changed the equation because. People are either vaccinated now or they're not vaccinated. Speaking now against the vaccine, so what? Okay, I'm not saying, I'm not happy. Thank you, thank you for speaking out. But here's the thing that bothers me. How did he not know about this stuff going on? Because he was DETRA. He was DARPA, BARDA, and DTRA. That's who he's done his millions and millions of dollars of work for. And the other thing is, he's been creating all gel. All gel is hydrogel, but instead of using silver, you use aluminum. And he's got vaccine... He's actively working on vaccine programs using that.
0: I honestly think Malone is just nothing more than a way to mainstream the discussion and to give uh, some—he's a controlled opposition that is giving some deniability. At the same time, he is potentially softening himself as a scapegoat.
1: At first, I thought he was just trying to save his own neck, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's much worse than that. Yeah, I, I've got to say that because he, his initial response to this whole thing when we asked him to not uh, to sign a letter to stop the rollout was he wouldn't do it. And the same thing is that was a long time ago when it would have made a difference. The other thing is um, – his argument when he first started speaking out was, it's not the mRNA technology is bad. It's that those stupid doctors used it at the height of the pandemic, and that's what created all these variants and all this problem. That is just BS, in my opinion. I mean, but even so, he didn't want to ever speak against the RNA technology because he, I think he thought – he'd still have a job when this was over. I think now he kind of maybe realizes he's not gonna have a job. This is everybody, this is like when the Bolsheviks took over the Soviet Union, right? Everybody thinks they're gonna be one of the leaders. It turns out they kill the people that help the leaders get in place a lot of times. So.
0: I think he's fallen into a trap of being one of the scapegoats like is gonna be a scapegoat. When you mentioned earlier that Zelensky had basically sold out his entire nation as test guinea pigs, well guess what we were as well.
1: Yes, we were. You're right.
0: That's the entire leadership of this nation, every single person who signed off on that approval of mRNA in any capacity has accepted that this is going to be a test run on the American public. There may have been hope of something being good and I and this is where I'm I'm brutal on this one openly on the show September 19th, 2019. That is one of the most critical dates in this whole thing because Trump signs the EO that authorizes the, the rapid development of new vaccines. That opens the door a year before we even talked about warp speed. And it also it happens four months before any word of COVID. Whatever was done, whatever the purpose is, and I'm, I'm not going to put my finger on him. I've said this many times of being evil, but there has to be accountability for that action because that has opened a door. To where we are today, and that was the accelerant. It was like putting gas on a fire that they were ready to jump on, right?
1: Yeah, but having said that, I will say in Trump's defense that I talked to Scott Atlas. I had dinner with Scott Atlas one night, and he's a good guy. He's a, he's not one of these bad guys. I don't put him in the same category of these researchers at, at pharmaceutical companies, but he's a Stanford guy. He's a he's a you know he's not he's not he didn't come out of the military mindset at all. I asked him. Did any military doctor brief you when you were in the hospital advising the president? Did anybody, anybody in the military brief you? Uh, no. Did anybody in um, in USAMR, the bioweapons guys, did they brief you? Did they talk to you about this at all? No. And he himself had not read the ver. So he, I, I got to say, honestly, if you think about it, how many... We can all say we can see this now, especially those of us that didn't take the vaccine. But how many parents let their kids be vaccinated? Okay, this everybody kind of so many people accepted vaccination over the years. When I kind I woke up to this in about 2000 or 2000, between 2000 and 2005, I suddenly realized there was something wrong with the whole vaccine principles. And I started reading about it when I saw what happened with the Gulf War syndrome and some stuff like this. But not everybody did that. And, and I will tell you that 76% of Americans routinely got their flu vaccine before all this happened. Trump was probably one of them. I mean, it was so accepted that when it's, I read that thing, I, you know, and and I'm more worried that that was brought out by David Martin. That That maybe you found it independently, but he's the one that I first heard that from, that he opened that door by signing that. But who is David Martin? Here's another one. I liked, I mean, I've been using David Martin's slides or numbers in my talks and talking about what a great job he did at finding these patents. But who the hell is David Martin? I'm going to tell you, he's like this in silico guy. He claims to be, they call him Dr. David Martin. But who is he? What kind of doctorate does he have? Do you know that? Because I tried a whole day to find out who he really is. I couldn't find a doctorate. I couldn't find any educational Bonafides. Now that's not right. If you've got a PhD, you've got a trail of research and and graduate study things. He claims he's invented lasers to do all this kind of crazy stuff, that his mathematics helped doing blah, 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 blah. I cannot find any educational trail on that guy. He showed up like Obama, like 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 mist that just suddenly solidified into a guy who has the eye of Horus tattooed on his arm, and he might be the nicest guy in the world. And I'm sorry if you if I'm wrong, I I will I will publicly apologize. But there's something wrong there. And so I was down in Red Pill, and I listened to his talk. I gave a talk the day before or something, and I listened to his talk, and it was really good. And he's going through all the stuff about the patents and who's guilty and who all these bad people are, and then he said, "Now I got to tell you this. You're not going to like this. I know that this crowd's not going to like this, but I have to say it." And then he brings out this stuff about that signature by Trump, and what does the effect is that people like me that are big Trump supporters that thought he's our, you know, that he's really on the right side of this, kind of go, "Really? No, come on. We can't have everybody in the bag for this thing." And that's what it did.
0: As far as Martin, uh, an enigma. Well, that, that's an enigma, And I, I mean, I, I I think that-
1: There's something not right
0: there. There's a lot of uh, intelligence agency profile in that one to be moving around the world and doing that. I, I like Dr. Martin a great deal. I've had a lot of conversations with him. Um, and I he has a very interesting upbringing. I think he needs to be, there's some parts about his background that um, I, at least what he shared that I can't share, but I will just say that it was, it's, we're getting to a point where we're going to have to be pretty transparent. Uh, I'll say it like
1: that. Right. I mean, if he is who he says he is, just tell us something about you because you read this stuff and it sounds like BS.
0: Well, now you know, here, here's the thing. I, I'm a, I'm a massive Trump supporter, but here, here's where I think that we get into this. And this is where I, I go back to that EO of 2019 and why I think it's so dangerous. President Trump is all about make America great. That's cool except that the model and this is what I talk a lot about on the show is make America great and the illuminati agendas are exactly parallel. It's a matter of who controls the technologies, okay? No. Yeah. And this is where I think it's a very dangerous slippery slope. This even gets into the Q program because we're going to show you a great new future sort of stuff. Okay. The end of the latest Matrix film 4, okay? <laughs> yeah, has a really important scene where they're showing this alternate way to the actual matrix. And the matrix is a place where everybody is submissive to a master technology. It's the master AI. But in this alternate path, AI becomes our partner in helping humanity evolve. That's the alternate path. Both, to me, end in the same place because you can't control one over the other. And this is where... I think that this has been my kind of my position a kind of, it has been my position with president Trump is that being so obsessed around making America great, making us the leader in all things, all we have to do is look at what Ivanka was doing and Ivanka was part of the world economic Forum's labor displacement program. Yeah. So they know that this is going to be a world of robotics, artificial intelligence within the fourth industrial revolution. You also have to have something else. It's fundamental it's CRISPR technology. And if you don't have CRISPR technology and the advanced development of pharmaceuticals, you can't affect the change of within, as Les Schwab likes to say. Now, I think Les Schwab is a hand puppet to make people see the extreme yeah. so that they recoil and they fall back to, we need something better. But the overall problem in this is that I think there are people that think that think that they can tame this beast and you can't tame this beast. This is technologies that are all designed with malicious intent. At the end of the day, they don't come from a good core.
1: Right. And you can't, and I, and I think that was what we, and I agree with what you're saying. And the thing that does always, I'll tell you my, my biggest problem with this whole idea that there's, well, let me just say it this way. Having, you know, having spent a lot of years either in or around the military, I am just unwilling to believe that all those fine and, – and I don't eliminate the enlisted guys, but this I'm speaking of the officer class because they're the guys that are running the show here, if they are. I just don't believe all those fine young officers, these mid-grade field officers. Yeah, po- you know, political appointed generals, they, they can be completely corrupted. But I don't believe all those field-grade officers would be willing to give over on January 20th last year of our nuclear submarine force, our space force, our nuclear arsenal, our special operating group, our standing army. I don't think they're going to just turn that over to a guy who is clearly at the minimum, a paid Chinese agent. I agree with that. Right. I just don't think that happened. So whatever happened, whatever happened and what's going on, the other thing I don't believe, and I I was talking to a retired air force brigadier general that was pretty sharp. And I, I asked him this question, do you think we're in devolution? And he said, well, he said, you know, everybody you see that's in positions of power right now, of positions of, of authority, they're the, the, the you know, the, the cabinet members and everybody up there right now, they're not there because they're competent. They're there because they're compliant. And that's true. I mean, you've never seen this level of incompetency on this all across the spectrum. And he said, so somebody else is driving the train. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now the question is, who's driving the train? That's what your question, it seems to me, is. And the problem I have with it that doesn't ring that doesn't ring right to me. And the thing that I I keep getting back to is, unless this is really the deepest intelligence program possible, and what I'm able to unearth from the military database clandestinely, and other people are able to unearth, is wrong. Um, then then. It's not a good, you cannot tell me that it is good military strategy to go along with a deadly and disarming, disabling, to disable and kill your military just to hide your program.
0: You know what I mean? The military is so programmed to take an injection and they're so programmed to have an imminent threat and fear of China. This is why, right. and I, this comes from my own experience, right. having them understand something like, a global transnational transgenerational network of corporate entities yeah. that are waging war against humanity is literally it, it's like James Bond's SPECTRE which is actually the most true of all of this. That is. You're right. Right? And and the military does not have the capacity to visualize that. I can speak to that firsthand. I told I gave a, an internal brief in 2012 or 13 at Fort Meade when I was up there with the group I was working with. And my comment was that we are facing one of the greatest information threats ever coming up and it's going to be a psychological war waged by our corporations and our ad agencies against the American public and the government will be complicit. Yeah. Most of them are like, that's that's just crazy talk. And it's like, no, it's not. It's the new age of warfare. It's not fourth, it's fifth in, in generation warfare. Right. And the military has a very difficult time with this. Right. So there's a there's a lot to this. It's out of the range of a lot of the generals because they're still looking towards the Chinese nation nation state or the Russian nation state when it's, it's none of it. It's a, it's an amorphous right. group like you mentioned at the beginning, which is it's the Kazarians that are everywhere and they're using various entities to all work on a singular yeah. agenda. So yeah. Well, what's next for you?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I've, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've got a Wednesday night uh, TV show on Brighton doing that. And, uh, just keeping busy doing – I mean, I, I, you know what? If this would be – my husband just thinks – he says, you know, you need to put this down sometimes because I'm always reading something and, re- and telling it to him. And I, I admit, I've become a boring spouse. But it's just like this – if this were not such a a world-ending potential problem – this would be an unbelievable academic exercise. I mean, you know, I, I'm just studying more than I probably did in four years of medical school. But
0: oh, I agree.
1: You know what I'm saying? I, agree. But,
0: I have a, I have a stack of books behind me.
1: Yeah, the problem is it's just so deadly, and I think, I think the point we need to do is uh, at this point we're in stage four of the war. First stage, as you as you pointed out, I mean we we did something. Whether it's we can argue whether it's 5G, a spike protein, or a combination, which I'm I'm for the combination. That was stage one to create enough little flu flaw that people could see it, and then they then the psyop took over with false testing and everything to make everybody afraid. Constant bombardment, classic. Um, mind control, trauma-based mind control on the whole population of the world, essentially, the Western world, people that had TVs, didn't work against those places that didn't have TVs. So we had the PSYOP go on. And that got people to the third phase, which was taking these genetic experimental viral-based genetic therapies that, that altered them, that did things to them, that killed some, that maimed some, that, that are still working on them. But what the end result of that is now what happens is stage four. And stage four is this huge demographic shift We've seen in Indiana now the only people. And by the way, I have I'm going to do this little project in my own little county, and I'm i trying to get down there this week, where I'm going to get the death numbers by by month going back to 2018, and I'm just going to watch and see what we see because that gives us a good couple year baseline, and then we're going to see what happens because the actuaries are the only people and the and the actual. You can fudge diagnoses, you can fudge what's COVID and what's heart attack, and I can make that come and go. But what you can't fudge is either you're dead when you have a death certificate or you're alive. And that's called all-cause mortality. If you have a death certificate, you have all-cause mortality. It even kind of obviates the problem you and I have talked about of how many people out there, quote, people, are actually not human but are in silico. They're just computer-generated stories about people that can vote and do all these things we don't know but they don't die with a burst with a death certificate that you have to be a human being or something that has a body so count those death certificates and what we see in indiana the actuaries are telling them 42 percent all-cause mortality up never been seen in the history of insurance a 10 percent increase is considered a one and two year tsunami for insurance so this is something we've never seen before Confirmed by uh, the ONS data in Britain, they're saying 47% increase all-cause mortality. Germany now saying 25%. But it isn't all-cause mortality going up everywhere. It's the Western world. It's our Western civilization that's that's going to be demographically seriously damaged here. And again, I hope I'm wrong. But what happens in the next phase here is that all of our first responders, our medical people, our army in the Western worlds go down. What does the world look like and how do we survive that? That's really the world we're in.
0: These are significant and important questions where we face right now because this is really it has been a massive attack on the military. And the problem is that most of what we're talking about here or being open to even hearing it has been uh, difficult for the military because they're not geared towards this type of a warfare that comes from within. They really aren't. So it will be very interesting. Yeah. Well, Dr. Merritt, it's a pleasure. As always, we always close with a prayer. If it's okay, we'll do a prayer. Yep. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for a great meeting with Dr. Lee Merritt and ask you to continue to bless her and watch over her and all her work she does and protect her family. Lord we just need to continue to have these discussions of elevating up truth and to continue to open people's minds to what that truth is, to have them be receptive to it, and to have them hear the truth. We're under some very challenging times ahead, and it's going to take us all to come together to resolve this, to overcome these challenges. The greatest thing we ask for is clarity and the and the discernment of as we face these challenges ahead. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great talk, as always. Thanks again. <laughs> we went some places today. <laughs>
1: It's a, just, it gets good. crazier every time though we run <laughs> into each other.
0: It, it really does. Well, I want to thank you again. I hope you have a very blessed day.
1: Yeah, you too. You too. Be well.
0: We'll talk soon. Well. Okay, bye-bye now. Patriots, that was Dr. Lee Merritt, and I think that was one of the better interviews she's done here. Really put some pieces together and started to see how large a scope this entire problem is. This is something else, and we're I I think it's important to keep these perspectives in mind. There's so much intent to keep people's eyes away from the core issue as we get people being retarded and rallying around Ukraine and people trying to go this way or that way. The core issue, and there's a lot of issues in play, the Hunter laptop, uh, many things like this, but the core issue is that they waged a genetic war against the people of the Western world. And that ultimately, as we go through this, can never be forgotten. That has to be pursued until every single person who has been complicit in pushing this death shot on people faces accountability. And I use accountability, not justice, it's accountability because there's very many different levels of what accountability looks like, but that has to be achieved in this nation. In this country in order for us to be able to move forward. If we don't do that and we try to race forward with, you know, some sort of promises of a great new future and we aren't going to deal with all of this now. And I mean all of it. That includes the biggest, most immediate and the damaging to society is the injection. But that links us then to genetic research and that links us to abortion and that links us to child sex trafficking and that takes us into wall street takes us into your 401ks and how they're actually funded it takes us into weather warfare it's the whole thing and all of these layers have to be dealt with in order for us as a nation to reset and to properly move forward to truly be great once again but great in the sense that god is back on the throne and we live a country, in a country that understands the importance of keeping God before us in all things for the very reasons that we're seeing right now. So there's a lot for us to work on. That said, thank you for being here tonight. Dr. Lee Merritt is an amazing woman. Always honored to have her on the show. She's one of the great minds in this fight. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. Keep your prayers up and keep yourself anchored in that rock of faith. We're going to need a lot of that because our mission is getting big. God is never going to forsake us, and God will always win this. But we have a mission here and now, in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you this evening for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now.